Good evening. My name is Adarsh Parthasarthi, and you are listening to The Isle on KSDT, UC San Diego's fiercely independent radio station. Uh, today, um, normally I talk about domestic issues, and that's generally what the show is about. But uh, I was having a discussion with one of my friends a long time ago. This show has been a long time coming. And we wanted to discuss uh, a close ally of the United States, Israel. Um, so I'm talking about my friend Tammuz. Uh, he's with me in the studio today, and he's actually an Israeli citizen. He uh, grew up there and then moved here a little while back. Um, and we're going to talk about some interesting stuff going on with the Israeli political system right now, their upcoming elections. And uh, yeah, I'll let Tammuz introduce himself. Hi. Hello. So I'm a second-year cognitive science student here. I've been living in America for the last nine years, but I spent my formative years in Israel. And yeah, can we get started? All right. Uh, so, Timuz, tell us a little bit about what the Israeli system is. Okay. So, the Israeli system is a parliamentary system. It's mostly similar to other European systems with one big difference. So, like any other parliamentary system, um, you don't vote for a specific politician. Instead, you vote for parties. So, when you went up uh, to vote in the election, you will see a list of different parties and you would vote for one of them. So are these elections, when you vote for a party, then how do the people end up in, okay. in Parliament? So um, before the actual election, each party uh, would come up with a list of uh, different politicians saying that if we got 10 seats, those are the top 10 people. So they will become the parliamentary representatives. And then how do they determine how many, how many seats you get in Parliament? Okay. So that is the big difference about Israel as opposed to other systems. Most systems do it in a similar to the United States where there's different districts. Israel doesn't. Israel is a very small country and it runs as a single district election. So if a party gets 10% of the vote, they get 10% of the seats, uh, which ends up being around 12 with uh, 120 total seats. Okay, so then how do then... I mean, do you have political parties or how does, how does that kind of dynamic work? Yes. So there are political parties now because any party, as long as they get above 5% of the vote, can have people uh, in Congress, in Parliament. And there's more than one, uh, two parties. It's not a two-party system. Because of this, parties aren't the most important thing. So there are uh, around three different right-wing parties, two big left-wing parties, a few centrist parties. And... And the average voter will switch between them. They will mostly vote depending on the personality of the party leader. So if you were a BB supporter, you might vote for Likud. But Likud will almost always sit a former coalition with other right-wing parties. So it isn't a big loss for the right-wing or for the left-wing if you switch within parties as long as they're in the same block. That's what uh, they call those uh, parties that tend to form coalitions together. And BB being the, the Prime Minister, yes. Benjamin Netanyahu. BB is uh, the way Israelis refer to our current Prime Minister. Uh, Israel is a very informal culture, and that's his nickname. And I'm going to be continuing to use this since it's what feels most natural. And of course, uh, we're very affectionate for him. I hear that he's been doing some interesting stuff recently, uh, both him and his wife. <laughs> uh, yes. So um, that brings us to uh, the main subject of today. Why do we have elections? So if you haven't heard... Uh, there's going to be elections in f 54 days as of the taping of this show. And the reasons, uh, this was not supposed to be the case. Uh, Israeli elections are supposed to happen every four years. The last one happened two years ago. So as with other parliamentary systems, the 
uh, government can only stay together as long as the coalition all agree to stay part of the government. At any point, it can be a no-confident vote, and then that triggers an early election. You might remember, um, not too far back, that uh, Theresa May in England did the same thing, where she thought she can get some advantage by having elections early, and she did that. So Bibi is facing a few different investigations uh, around the subject of corruption, and with his wife in particular, uh, some abuse of staff, and possibly stealing like petty theft <laughs> um, which is both very embarrassing for him and could also land with long jail sentences so he's hoping to get an electoral victory coming into the uh, trial which uh, most likely will happen in 2020 so we'll we'll get into the i suppose we'll get into that part in a bit and why this can happen but what exactly does a vote of no confidence consist of how does that begin in the process and then so there's two different versions one is any member of the coalition, so th- remember the coalition would be the a set of different parties who together form uh, over 60 uh, seats or a majority, and they're the ones who uh, are in control. So they have a majority of seats, so they can pass any law they want. If any one of those parties uh, decides they're going to break away, for example, there was a big crisis uh, a few months ago with one of the ultra-Orthodox religious parties. Um, threatened to drop out of the coalition if uh, some infrastructure projects happening on the Sabbath, Saturday, were to take uh, to go on. And that was resolved. But if they would have decided to step out of the coalition, then the government coalition wouldn't be a majority anymore and they wouldn't be able to govern. So that would have triggered an early election. This is not what happened now. Right now, it's simply the prime minister, Bibi, just decided that he's going to disband the government. That is a thing he can do at any time. And that automatically triggers elections. So why did he decide to do this in light of all the scandal? So if um, most projections indicate that had he not done this, he's, he would have been called to testify and the actual criminal proceedings would have started as he would have been heading into his next election, which would have likely looked quite bad. And... Um, Bibi has been going on about not having to testify as a sitting prime minister. And he is uh, declared that he's going to be fighting the uh, at every step of the way. He believes he's innocent and is going to do his best to stay in power. For that, he hopes to get the people's support coming into this. So his idea is, he could say, after winning, if he wins, hey, look at this. Everybody knew I'm under investigation. But the people still chose me. That must mean I'm the legitimate leader of Israel. So how would that stop him from, is it something like, for example, in the United States, if we were to impeach Donald Trump, or rather, if we were to get him on criminal charges, most legal scholars agree that he would have to be impeached first. He would have to be removed from presidential office before they charge him. Is that the same thing in Israel? So, no. So Israel does not have a constitution. Because of that, most of the proceedings in Israel are mostly done by either tradition or laws that are much weaker than the American version. So in this instance, there is actual precedent. So Yitzhak Rabin, a former prime minister, um, was also facing investigations on corrup- corruption in, um, charges, and they were much less significant, and he stepped down as prime minister before those could take place. Then there was a trial, he was found innocent, but he was stepped down before the trial began. And um, 
that is a precedent, but that is something that uh, BB has declared he's not going to do. Mm. Um, the other example, uh, Hood Olmert uh, or Barak, I are very familiar. <laughs> Both are previous prime ministers. One of them is in jail right now oh. for corruption charges. Um, so he was also a prime minister and he also stepped down. So the charges was brought against him. Um, he his allies pressured him to step down. They said, "Hey, you having you in our head is going to weaken." Uh, he was a central left. He was going weaken us in the coming election. We want you to step down and face this alone. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the best uh, successes of Bibi's reign has been actually solidifying his control over his own party. So the thing he's known for is make sure there's no successor. The Likud party is Bibi. Because of that, he's able to. Uh, have the support of his party and st- uh, stay in power uh, indefinitely as long as the general public still supports him. So why, I mean, in light of, I suppose we should talk about the corruption first. So what are what are some of the things that he's done that have brought these charges up? Uh, so again, this is all um, char- uh, investigations. Nothing have been proved yet. But we have anything going from his wife stealing the a couple hundred shekels from uh, their cleaners for recycling wine bottles to uh, having a deal with a media mogul to have positive coverage in the press in return for the government passing laws hampering the competition. So it's a wide array. Um, There's multiple investigations. There's an additional investigation about uh, some submarines bought from Germany uh, for the Israeli army uh, that there was definitely corruption going on there with the company paying off Israeli officials including members of uh, Likud that is Bibi's party Mm -hmm. and the question is does it go all the way to the top so lots of different investigations the police are pursuing pursuing all of them and we will have to wait and see so this is I mean law enforcement is involved it's not like there's some committee in parliament that's going and doing this. Uh, This is all down as part of the justice system. If any charges are going to be brought to bear, they're going to be done for the normal criminal court system. Oh. And Israel has currently a prime minister in jail and a president in jail. So uh, if there is evidence that uh, Bibi is guilty, there is a decent chance that he is going to spend time in jail. Okay. So... He is engaged in corruption, supposedly, it seems that way. Why does he still have the support of the public, even though, I mean, his wife's transgressions seem rather limited, from what I understand, a hundred, that's not very much money. But um, what is what is the idea behind the public still supporting someone who is engaged in this kind of, this corruption? So the reasons are wide and varied. So first of all, Due to the nature of the Israeli political system, when we say the public, we don't refer to like an approval system like the one we have in the United States. It currently, Likud only has 30 seats. They're the biggest party, but 30 seats out of 120. So even if they just, they didn't lose anybody, let's say he didn't lose any bit of support, anybody who voted for him last time still votes for him, we're still only talking about uh, what? 15% 15% of the public voting for him. So, oh, okay. Um, it's his core supporters still support him. Oh. Part of it is um, 
his other nickname King Bibi. He has been in power for a long time now. He's on track to become the longest serving prime minister in Israel oh, if wow. he wins this election. But even without it, he's been prime minister, I think, four separate times. And There's no term limits or anything? There are no term limits wow. in Israel. He um, has been very successful at crushing the career of anybody in his own party who can threaten him. So there isn't really any good uh, people on the right wing who could replace him. And they are starting to be now, so that is actually what led to the formation of new political parties. It's people who uh, saw that they would not have a future as long as they're within the Likud, so they formed their own <laughs> parties that are identical to the Likud, but aren't headed by Bibi. Oh, um, okay. So he has that some of that support. And the people he is losing, he isn't losing to the to a different block. It's mostly... So he's losing voters to the new right-wing party. The new right is a new political party, this election. That is, uh, the polls show that they actually take a lot of votes from the Likud. But they're mostly just slightly to the right of Likud. So if they became... If they would become the biggest party, then they would form the coalition. It seems unlikely. It would still probably be Bibi and Likud. Mm. But they would just join his coalition. So... If he has 30 seats and they 10 last election, in this election he has 25 and they have 15, the actual balance of power doesn't change at all. Okay. And so he's very good at playing parties against each other. Uh, he's quite inf- famous for a uh, last election coming up with the line, uh, the left is bussing Arabs to the polls. Uh, you have to come and vote for my party because only my ah. party can stand against them. Not so different than what's uh, happening here, I guess. Yes, he he's, he kind of pioneered a bit. Okay. So is he's a political animal. He's uh, ensured that he's the only option on the right wing. Uh, the arm of voters on the right wing in Israel. And the left has been devastated for a long time. Uh, the center is actually the biggest competition to the right wing right now. Hmm. Uh, they might ally with the left, but it would be the big cent- uh, different parties in the center. Right. Um, so that's why he stayed in power. Again, it's not that the majority of the public support him. Mm-hmm. It's just that there isn't a clear alternative. And the ones that do support other people are still usually within the same block. So since he has the support of the parties in the coalition, yeah. and his own party only needs to get so many votes to get himself in there. And he's probably, uh, because Israel uses a first, um, sorry, they use a uh, at-large voting system. He's probably the first guy on the on the ticket. So if you vote for his party, then... Yeah, he yeah. is... He's one of the top five. The, he's the head of his party. Right. Um, he, that does not mean that there aren't challenges. So, for mm-hmm. example, Gidon Saar is a, another prominent politician on the right, part of Likud. He was actually ousted from the party, so few years ago he came up with the classic politician line hey i'm going i'm leaving politics to spend more time with my family but it came <laughs> after um bb intervened to stop him from getting some political appointments he was a rising star he was looking to replace oh okay so okay he just re-entered politics so he of entered course. the ticket he entered the primaries for Likud. so remember we talked about how there's a list of uh, candidates and if they could get 20 seats, it would be the top 20 people on that list. Mm-hmm. The way they appoint people is the head of the party, that's Bibi, gets to choose a couple and the rest, uh, they have in a mini election, they have primaries. Okay. So he entered and he got uh, to be, I think, fourth or third place. And 
this started a real fight. So Bibi has been going to uh, Facebook, putting videos of himself saying, I've heard from people that this Sal guy is going around saying, hey, if we, after we win the election, we, should, we shouldn't have Bibi as prime minister because he's going to face investigation. So maybe we should kick him out of the party <laughs> and appoint somebody else, maybe me. Mm. Uh, so there's been this power struggle within Likud. Um, how successful that's going to be, it remains to be seen. Most everybody agrees that Bibi is going to be this, like he's going to win this election and become the prime minister. The question is what happens the day after that? Mm. If he does go to jail, Likud is going, wants to have places. Um, and even if he doesn't, eventually he's going to have to leave politics. Um, Interesting. So this is a lot of scandal, a lot of, uh, a lot of political intrigue, but um, what's going on with his wife, who seems to be less, <laughs> less like, crazy? Well, perhaps more crazy, but less I mean, extreme. This is, this is getting to more yellow paper right, territory. <laughs> so this has been an ongoing um, embarrassment to Israel and to the prime minister. Um, his wife, by all accounts, is not the loveliest of people. Uh, <laughs> this does not have much bearing in uh, the actual elections. Uh, it's much more of uh, the, media, the newspapers like to complain about her, but she has done stuff like uh, she's under several different civil uh, court cases where former staff who worked for her, driver, cleaners, and stuff like that, are suing over uh, abuse and like having her yell at them, slap them. Uh, we have some phone calls of her yelling at her political allies about unflattering photos of her in the newspaper or like wow. wanting to take this uh, news uh, article talking about how a great uh, job that the prime minister and his wife are doing in some volunteering work and wanting to change the picture because she thinks she doesn't look as good. Um, Is she all... But together this, up there <laughs> I mean this this does really not play into politics this okay. has been a known thing it's been a thing forever okay um, similar how, uh, to the way where when Trump ran there were lots of stories about him and his wife yeah um, all of the personal how impactful that was probably not but mm -hmm. well he won a, maybe his voters yeah. are okay with that <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah it's definitely a thing it is not a not an issue in this election. It's okay. So what what would you say the main issues are then? Obviously, this is a you uh, use the phrase snap election. <laughs> yeah. So this is something that is unusual and like out of the norm. So what when Israelis go to the polls and they're going and casting their vote? What are the contentious issues that are at play here? So it's difficult to say. So each party has their own issues they're championing. The big blocks seem to be. Uh, the right wing with their uh, BB is mostly going on. Everything is good. I'm the only person who can keep things going good, which to be fair to him, the Israel economy is doing quite well. Um, BB does deserve a fair amount of that credit, not for anything he did recently, but he is conventionally agreed to uh, have been responsible to a large amount. Um, when he acted as the minister of the economy um, 10 years ago for mm -hmm. the current successes. Um, so Israel is doing quite well and relationships with foreign countries are improving. And um, while we hear a lot about the BDS movement, 
it has not uh, materially affected Israel in any way. The, the what? The boycott, divest, and sanction. Ah, um, okay. It's uh, in Israel. It is a big deal. It is one of the chief goals of the Israeli government is to combat that. Recently, we had the law in America where mm-hmm. they advise states to not do businesses with companies who support this movement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for example, this was considered a big military uh, diplomatic coup mm-hmm. for the Israeli Foreign Affairs Committee. Yes. But in general, what Bibi is going to lean on is uh, pictures uh, of him meeting with different Arab leaders, which to his credit has been happening. He has been meeting with, uh, the names escape me, but relationships uh, that for a long time have been secret, like the military co- cooperation between Israel and Saudi Arabia, mm. Uh, mm. relationships with Egypt, Jordan, Omar, Qatar, Dubai, have mm-hmm. all been uh, improving. Uh, for long uh, for the last 10 years mostly because mm-hmm. of the conflict with Iran but right. Bibi has played a large role in that okay uh, in addition to that of course his relationship with our president um, just last week uh, <laughs> he uh, started papering Israel with giant ads of him and Trump oh meeting, uh, interesting very interesting then Trump of course tweeted uh, I'm sure he did. <laughs> that, that, um, now, the White House was quick to point out that this is not an official endorsement of a particular political party within Israel. <laughs> but uh, Bibi is scheduled to speak in front of um, the Israeli um, OPEC, a- APAC. What is the lobbying arm of the Israel in America? Oh, uh, AI. Pack, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I don't know what it stands for. I, the American Israeli Pack or something like that. Yeah. So he is scheduled to speak in the big national convention two weeks before the election. Oh, wow. So um, coming up quite fast then. Yes. Um, this is always a big uh, movement. Uh, mm-hmm. Bibi is uh, quite good at those types of things. He's, he got his start in political career by being uh, a speaker, a uh, talking head on American TV. He's ah. natural at this, mm-hmm. and at this meeting, he traditionally meets with the American president, that's going to be Trump, and as much as it is untraditional and not supposed to happen, mm-hmm. knowing the two people involved, I'm going to guess that Trump is going to, at the end of the meeting, shake Bibi's hand, point at him and say, look at that, the next Prime Minister. Oh, I'm or sure. something similar. I'm, I'm sure so, he will. And that is going to be another angle that Bibi is going to lean hard on. Mm-hmm. And he's Mr. Security. He's mm-hmm. Mr. Foreign Relationships. And he's going to push the angle that for Israel to continue on the right path, they need him because only he knows how to talk to Trump, to talk mm-hmm. to Putin about uh, Syria. He can combat Iran. By, he has a relationship with Saudi Arabia, with Egypt, Dubai, with Qatar. All of which is somewhat true. So that's his... That's a liquid message. Further on the right, you have the modern Orthodox conservative parties. They are the traditional Israeli right wing, so they are concerned with the settlements, uh, Judah and Sumeria in Hebrew, the West Bank. Um, they are going to want to push harder on uh, penalties against terrorism. Uh, they're going to be pushing for the death penalty, most likely, to be instituted in Israel uh, for house demolitions. Um, Stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The further 
not exactly right, but as then ultra-Orthodox parties, those are mostly single-issue parties. Mm. They care about having the government shut down on Saturday and increasing <laughs> child and healthcare subsidies. Mm-hmm. And they tradition the, most of their voters are in the poor regions or they don't work. Oh, okay. At which point they rely on government support. Mm-hmm. Then we have the big central block. It actually seems to be the most, the biggest block outside of the right, possibly even the biggest block this election. Mm-hmm. So this has um, mostly uh, concerned with cost of living. So we have Yeshatid and. Kulanu, those are two political parties that one of Yeshatid was started two elections ago. Kulanu was started last election. Both were started by non-politicians entering the political sphere on the promise of nobody's representing the middle class. House, nobody can afford to buy houses here. Um, and I can fix that. Both, so Yeshatid, first of all, their head spent some time with Bibi two elections ago serving as the minister of the uh, treasury. He failed to curb housing prices. Then uh, Hulon of Kulanu tried the same thing last election, also failed to curb <laughs> uh, housing prices. Uh, so they're both going to run on a similar platform. Yeshatid specifically is also running on an anti-Bibi platform. Uh, they had a big falling out uh, mm-hmm. last election. And in addition to that, there's actually a new party this election formed of two former generals, Depending who you ask, they will give you different platforms. Um, they were very unclear. Mm-hmm. Again, non-politicians coming into the political sphere. Right. They appear to have a central left type of message. Mm-hmm. Lots of traditional, like uh, Likud, uh, not Likud, traditional Labour Party mm-hmm. um, politics, but painted with this wash of military men and security. So, like, we're not the left wing. Don't worry. Uh, but Bibi and Likud have managed to stigmatize the left in Israel. So, yeah, they're very much the center. Mm-hmm. And uh, his ads have been mostly focused on successful military operations he led while being general. And there's always lots of excitement when a new party enters the foray, but they can't uh, pause actually show them doing quite well. So they, oh, become, yeah. they might become one of the top three parties. Mm-hmm. And again, lots of it is the representing the secular middle class. So that would be, they are concerned about making sure the ultra-Orthodox pay their fair share. So that would be forcing them to work, forcing them into the military, mm-hmm. um, increasing subsidies like on food stuff, mm-hmm. uh, possibly increasing imports. So Israel has lots of protectionism in its economy, um, mostly veiled as a kosher laws so like you can't ah. import beef because that might not be kosher interesting at which the largest secular middle class says so we are paying twice as much for beef because the ultra orthodox control the the import export business market. yeah, yeah. Uh, so that is a big fight uh, should businesses be allowed to be open on Saturday is mm-hmm. another issue that is all floating in the center then we have the traditional left wing parties Labour, the traditional left-wing party that uh, used to be the second biggest party in Israel, this last government, uh, might not even make it this election. Jeez. Um, they were really caught with their pants down. They <laughs> had a change of leadership a couple of months before the snap elections were called. Uh, the change of leadership was also a change in style. They moderated a lot. They got a former Likud, so a guy who used to be uh, one of the most left-wing people on Bibi's party 
he abandoned them, then when they shifted to the right, and he actually joined them. But he's still very much center. Uh, so he becomes head of this traditionally left-wing so- proto-socialist party and try- starts to change policies and st- starts to cre- wants to create some buzz and create a new group of supporters when the snap election gets called. In addition to that, a short power struggle within the party uh, led to the breakup of this party. So it used to be called the Zionist <laughs> Union, which oh is when God. another prominent left-wing figure, Tsipi Livni, like the big female left-wing uh, personality, joined with uh, the Labour Party, so they formed a union, mm-hmm. and they had a power struggle. She appeared to have been fighting with him a bit, and in a humiliating move, he called a press conference, and then, without telling her beforehand, announced that they're breaking up the party and kicking oh, her out. Oh, no. So okay, Paul's so the left not, is pretty yeah. much... <laughs> so his party might not make it. So remember, you have to get 5.5% of the vote to count. Okay. Uh, so like you can't have less than five member, uh, less than 10 members. Uh, not exactly. Forget the math. Never do math on air. <laughs> but there's a minimum number of votes you have to get in order to count. Um, and they might not make it. C.P. Livni's party probably won't make it unless she joins somebody else. Mm-hmm. Meretz, the other big left-wing party, might not make it. Ooh, wow. Um, in addition to that, then, there's the Arab Unified List, the Arab parties. They also just broke up. So the Arab Unified List, called Unified List, it's a combination of Hadash, which this is this um, communist, like, communist, uh, both Jewish and Arab parties, but mostly Arab. Um, and then two other ones one is an Islamic Arab party and the other one is the normal like we care about making improving the working situation mm-hmm. like making sure to increase uh, spending on the Arab sector mm-hmm. increase education opportunities a much more like less ideological party but much more uh, we, con- we are concerned about the Arab population and that party left the unified list so now there's also, of course, a concern of is the unified list going to ex- pass the, uh, the threshold? To threshold? Get, yeah. Will the new party pass the threshold? Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is mostly the story of this election. The same thing is happening on the right wing. Mm-hmm. So remember how we talked about every lots of new parties because everybody wants to be the next BB. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the modern orthodox party is separated. And there, there is... A party called the New Right, which is the other, the modern Orthodox party, separating to that party, which is a much more less religious. So they uh, purposely brought in a prominent right-wing uh, secular uh, politician. She was the head of the justice system, actually very successful this last term, mm-hmm. and they seem to be doing quite well. But that left the other, the party they left, uh, to possibly die. And there's a couple of other parties. So what Bibi is doing. Is he's trying to make sure those parties unify. So, what, oh. the way, the only weird part about the Israeli political system is if you don't make it into the threshold, those votes just get lost. Right. So, what happens is every vote gets counted. Mm-hmm. If you didn't make it into the threshold, we remove it and then we recalculate everything. So, it's not exactly you get 10% of the vote, you get 10% of the seats. Oh, you it's, get 10% you get, of the qualifying vote, you get 10%. Of yes. It. My God. Which means, in theory, Nobody should ever lose, no vote should ever be lost. Right. 
as there's polls, you shouldn't know if you're going to make it or not. Mm-hmm. But there's what you should do, what's rational, and then there's ego. Yeah. And what Israel definitely uh, has enough of is ego. So <laughs> why do parties uh, split? Because the head of the new party isn't, doesn't want to work with the head of the old party. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to have a chance of being the prime minister. Right. Um, Yair Lapid, leader of Yeshati in the big central party, isn't willing to work with the leader of Labour because they hate each other. Mm-hmm. And he isn't willing to work with people because they hate each other. So that so, all yeah. gets... So how, how then... I mean, the selection seems to be less about the, on what we call the issues here. Uh, uh, more, I mean, it seems to be more about what exactly is happening to all of these parties and these coalitions and these blocks and, and which ones are disappearing, which, which personalities are moving in and out no, uh, more than like just something like foreign policy or domestic policy. Or, I would definitely agree with that. Part of it is nobody expects Bibi to lose. Oh, okay. So like, okay. People mostly expect everything to be the same, so it's mostly parties are trying to jockey for position for the next election. I see. And that, you're right. Like, uh, if you read Haaretz, you would have seen an article a couple of weeks ago saying, uh, stop bullshitting and talk about real issues, <laughs> which is uh, essentially okay. going into the yeah. political parties for uh-huh. not talking about issues. Right. As we said, one of the big prominent parties, nobody's actually quite sure where they're located because they... The generalist parties didn't actually give policy positions. Oh. So So their yeah. position is just anti BB um, basically in this ex- election. Not exactly. Now Labour is going on that stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Labour. Their ads, their political messages, anybody but BB. <laughs> their big thing is they took a vow to not sit with BB in a coalition. It's mm-hmm. mostly a moot point because they weren't going to sit with BB in a coalition anyway. anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but their big thing is everybody else nobody else did that vow. Everybody should take a vow like that. Um, so and especially in Israel if you are not part of the coalition you don't have any power so because the coalition is always a majority any law coalition wants to pass as long as they keep the control of the coalition they can always pass it because you have 61 plus members that's all you need in order to get a vote a law passed mm-hmm. so if you're outside of the coalition you have no power no power. Ah, um, mm-hmm. Similar to being a minority in Congress. Yeah, very, very similar, actually. Um, it's very interesting. Except you don't have a control over anything. You can't delay stuff. You, oh, okay. Uh, like you can introduce laws. You can talk to individual right. members of the coalition and maybe have them vote with you. But good um, luck doing anything else. Basically. Yeah, but so like it's important, but it's... It's to a limiting degree. It's like, okay. how important is it really the different policy positions of merits? Questionable, since merits is most likely not going to be part of the coalition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wish it could be different, but... Okay, interesting. It is not does not seem to be in the cards for this coming election. And then you mentioned that, you know, there's the right, there's the left. What are those issues that, that for example, I mean, if you had to just take one random issue and then say what people's positions are at each point on the spectrum... I mean, so there's the couple of big ones would be, um, of course, the West Bank the settlement issue, mm-hmm. where um, the left wing would be traditionally much more supportive of the peace process. And the center, this, there's some debate where should you include Bibi? Well, like, it does seem like it's like 
is the priority to get peace or is the priority to get security? And then on the right wing, the far right wing, the religious part is pretty modern. And the settler part is their priority is to keep the settlements. Um, so like this, so one of the big criticisms against Labour has been that when Bibi was in a coalition with centrist parties, he was actually much more willing to crack down on the settlements and to work on the peace process. Part of the reason he hasn't been doing that lately, and he's known as a guy very much opposed to the peace process, is because he's been forced to, due to party politics, oh. to ally himself with the right wing. Oh, I see. So he's definitely on the right, as in he's more concerned with security. He sells himself as a Mrs. Security guy, uh-huh. and there's good evidence that he has managed to, his policies have successfully reduced terrorism in Islam. Uh-huh. That has not led to peace, but it led to the thing, the fact that if you're an average Israeli, unless you live inside uh, the West Bank, and even then it's mostly fine, or you live around Gaza, mm-hmm. which is very few people, there's a few villages there, you cannot care about the conflict. It doesn't impact you. You don't see it. You don't hear about it. There's nothing you notice. As I said, the BDS wow. haven't really impacted Israel. Mm-hmm. Wars are uncommon. Uh, terrorism is very rare. When it does happen, it's now usually a single individual, lone wolves acting with usually a knife. It is not. It is still bad, but it is not anywhere to the point where it used to be. So this is no longer a big issue for lots of people. Lots of wow. Israelis are saying they live. I can't afford an apartment. The cost of living is really high, and those are the big things. Because it's a it's a big. I mean, plenty of people can't afford apartments here, but one of the biggest issues in our national politics is is Israeli security, which I find ironic because if the majority of if the majority of people living in Israel, this is not something that they even think about in their daily well, life. I mean. Part of it is because it has been successful. Like, it used to be something. It, that used to be what elections were fought over. Okay. Uh, but the right wing must have won. They, mm-hmm. uh, so after the second intifada especially, um, the right wing argument of like, <laughs> there's no other side. The, we tried the Oslo process now. Lots of debate and it's different points of view. How sincere Israel was, how, but eventually that fell apart. And, Second Intifada was a very bad time on both sides. Worse on the Palestinian side, but for the Israeli voted that doesn't matter. You don't live that in a similar way. Like uh, the Iraqi war was infinitely worse for the average Iraqi than to the American. Uh, yeah, American soldiers. <laughs> right. But um, we don't remember that as a disaster for Iraq. We right. That is a disaster for America. Mm-hmm. But for the average Israeli, the security fence, and uh, set- separate separation wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, suicide bombings inside Israel was his stuff. Um, Interesting. There have been protests going on on the Gaza border mm-hmm. uh, for months now. Right. Um, in which people die quite often. Mm-hmm. And this is people who try crossing the border mm-hmm. um, and are stuff like the Israeli army. Right. I suppose that's no different than the U.S. border in that sense. No one's really paying attention until there's an 8,000 person caravan coming at it. I'm sure people like... uh, yeah somewhat uh, like people stop paying attention when rockets are landing but <laughs> yeah. even in that regard <laughs> Israel has made it very costly for Hamas to try that especially now that the rockets are also largely ineffective 
go to the Iron, Iron Dome. Dome. Yeah, I follow and the IDF on Twitter, and they're always posting some some funny stuff about blowing up a tunnel or a clip of the Iron, Iron yeah. Dome shooting a shooting a defensive so, rocket. Security is important, but it has mostly been solved. Um, mm-hmm. It is not a great situation for the Palestinians. Mm-hmm. It is uh, not necessarily a sta- like long-term stable solution. Like, mm-hmm. well, it is not stable. Um, but it's it sustainable not, uh, for the foreseeable future. Probably, it's possibly also sustainable. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, low-level conflicts can exist for a long, long time. Right. Yeah. But. Uh, it's not, nobody can trace the steps from like current policies to peace. Like that is not a thing that happens. So this is like just a status quo that's been kind BB of... The plan and like the right wing plan is mostly um, the other Arab countries because of Iran, uh, because of uh, will normalize relationships, which mm-hmm. is the thing that happens, is happening. And the Palestinians are just going to be not cared about by the other Arab parties. Mm-hmm. Other Arab countries are going to find it uh, more and more convenient to forget about Palestinians. Right. Um, and as those countries start, because one of the big downsides for Israel, in addition to the having to send their teenagers to the shoulders areas and occasionally die for it, <laughs> is the fact that they, there's no normalization of relationships with other Arab countries. So they can't really trade with them. Mm-hmm. can't uh, fly over Saudi Arabia, for example. Oh, okay. But that is starting to change. For the first time, there was a flight from India to Israel over Saudi Arabia. Wow. So the, the where did it fly that, over before? Africa or you something? You have to go around. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so like, That's like um, the Siberia, um, you know, flying over Siberia to Asia was not allowed when the Soviet Union yeah, existed. It's exactly that. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but if the normalization of relationship is happening anyway, if our different our parties, countries is, is happening, stop caring about the Palestinians and stop supporting them financially, and the rest of the world does not pick up that slack, which might happen because of the BDS movement, um, Palestinians are going to like, kind like they're not going to have any good options. Um, and eventually they're going to have to settle with something yeah, <laughs> uh, proto state. Yeah, like half state, safe without military, like autonomous region probably maybe. Could no, be no no. Uh, yeah. So that is kind of the Bibi plan, and mm-hmm. um, you can read about it. And uh, Bibi is actually quite quite unique among politicians because of the way he entered politics, where he was a talking head. He was talked about politics before he entered politics. Mm-hmm. Actually, published his uh, manifesto, his world vision, his ideology. Um, wow, it's. Not the most consistent. Like, it's not... It's consistent. It's not the most clear ideology. Like, you can't put it under socialist, conservative, something like that. But it is a world vision that he has been more or less following. Mm-hmm. If, like, you know, he gets dragged to the right when he has to join with certain parties, get dragged to the left. But he has been trying this. Um, and it has been more or less working as he said it will. Um, so Interesting. Question of... Is this a long-term going to be a long-term success? Mm-hmm. Well, because of that, security isn't the biggest of uh, voting concerns. Like, there's no right. part. Nobody is arguing for less security. So, you mentioned the housing crisis was a big <laughs> national issue, which yes. um, 
obviously housing prices is like a a state issue here at most <laughs> in most of the case well maybe that's because ben carson's running housing and urban development and he's crazy but like how do i mean if that's a national issue what where does what what are the other national issues that are kind of so um other cost of living issues cost of food cost of uh, education child care less so education those would be big ones some other ones are some religious stuff so that would be can you get married without the ultra-orthodox uh, approval oh so okay because that's under the Israel under the religious courts yes, yes has a unique court system where um, there is a religious institution for every religion so there is a chief Rabbanut is called is the chief Jewish one and the same is they also have something for Muslims and something for Christianity mm-hmm. like the law is fairly neutral as in all it cares about is that you get you treat it within your religious faith so like oh similar to the can, Ottomans they, they had a yes, similar I mean, like it's similar system. for a reason yeah, uh, yeah probably when the British mandate began they just kept all the local laws yes yeah yeah uh, <laughs> And when the Israel state began, they just kept all the local laws. Uh, it's actually called the status quo in Israel. Ah, for that reason. It's a status quo from the Ottoman period. Very uh, interesting. And in recent times, there's been a big push against that. So I can tell you, for example, my uh, uncle mm-hmm. uh, is not religious, but uh, his parents are. So my mom's parents are religious. So my dad and mom had a very traditional Jewish wedding. They did the whole thing, the whole nine yard, my dad, uh, who grew up completely atheist, had to study a bit of Torah, had to learn <laughs> the different policies, and they did that. My uncle, who married much, much later, uh, refused to get married in his own. Hmm. So he, uh, as a form of protest against the central Rabbanut, uh, for the longest time just lived with his life partner, I guess, oh. until uh, last year when they actually married in New York. And oh wow! So Israel so, will recognize any marriage license uh-huh. from another country, mm-hmm. but inside Israel, you have to. The only way to get a marriage license is to go through the court system, which is religious. So, what's the kind of the back door that people use generally uh, if they can't? So get usually to New York? it's uh, Cyprus, <laughs> half an hour away. You have honeymoon. The honeymoon is built in. Yeah, Cyprus is very nice. <laughs> uh, so you go to Cyprus, but again, it it is still an issue. So. Lots of uh, immigrants from the former Soviet republics uh, would have questionable Jewish status, uh, mm. either questionable because the uh, Ashkenazi Rabbanut would discriminate against them, or oh. questionable because there is some question as to uh, when the USSR said a uh, one way ticket outside of the USSR for any Jewish person. Yeah, Lots maybe, maybe some yes. people took it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> And also, as part of yourself, for the longest time, you weren't allowed to show that you're Jewish. So they don't have documents. They don't have... I see. Um, so, but because of that, if you want to get married to a Jewish person, you have to prove that you're Jewish. If you can't prove, you have to convert. Or uh, go to Cyprus, it seems. Or you go to Cyprus, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a much cheaper option. So yeah. there's that. There's the Central Rabbanut is also the only institution allowed to give kosher licenses. Oh, both. for food and yeah. et cetera. So like mm-hmm. in America, see, lots of different organizations can do this. Right. In Israel, it's a central Rabbanut. And of course, as Edda, any other monopoly, they charge exuberant prices and reportedly do nothing. Uh, mm. 
you know, they send a rabbi to knock on the door and give you a thumbs up. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm I mean, that's somewhat surprising, I suppose, given that there I will are... admit I am a bit biased against essential oil, <laughs> but I think for a good reason. Uh, okay. It's like, imagine if we gave, we created a parallel court system for which some stuff have to go through. Right. So there's also, most of stuff happens in the civil court system, mm-hmm. but some stuff around marriage, some stuff around... Um, Death certificates and, yeah. you know, okay. Uh, some children's stuff, like divorces can go through the religious side. Ah, okay. Imagine if we let the Amish control that. Yeah, like, that nothing wouldn't. against the Amish. The Amish can do whatever they want within their own communities. But why should I, why should where the kids go in a diverse be, be dependent by, on how uh, religious the father or the mother is? Right, right. Um, we did veer a bit off topic. <laughs> oh, but is it really, um, is it by how religious the parents are? So again, it shouldn't be. Uh-huh. It should be the welfare of the child. But if, yeah. you, if you choose to go to a religious court in diversity, you can also choose to go to a civic court, I believe. Um, so this usually happens when one of the parents is religious. Got it. Oh, um, boy, that's interesting. religious judges, I mean, to be fair, if you are truly ultra-Orthodox, how religious is the parent is a very important factor in the welfare of the child. Right, I mean, you can't exactly. let the child grow up not religious. Be terrible <laughs> for his welfare. Right. Uh, so I'm not necessarily faulting the individual judges for believing this, but um, you can understand why this mostly is a concern for religious people who aren't ultra-Orthodox. So remember, we have the modern Orthodox and just conservative parties on the right. Mm-hmm. So they are concerned about this as well. Okay. So this is a new phenomenon in Israel. If you're American, most Jewish people you know are either the very orthodox black hats, black dresses that you see walking around in New York, or no, normal Jewish Americans. Well, like, they're very similar to Christian Americans. Mm-hmm. They just to go to synagogue maybe once a week. They do holidays. But they also drive a car. They do everything normal. This didn't quite exist in Israel up until recently. Mm. So Israel gets created. Mostly is created by immigrants who are very much not religious. So the biggest political party in Poland uh, prior to World War II is a anti-Zionist uh, religious party. Or, uh, so like the religious people are usually not Zionist uh, for obvious reasons. The people who end up in Israel are the uh, Zionist and religious ones. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. But you have to remember that is not the demographic of modern day Israel. Modern day Israel is mostly composed of people who came from the rest of the Middle East. That is much a much more conservative society. That is Iraqi Jewish people, Jews, Egyptian Jews, Iranian Persian Jews, and recently Ethiopians. And that's another big issue. This election, well, small issue. Interesting. So yeah. we got, we got so the interesting magi- kind of court system going on here, yeah. and. That um, feeds into the political system very much, it seems. Definitely. Um, lots wow. of fights about the status quo. So, Yeshatid, two elections ago, they come in. Their big things is going to drive down housing prices. I'm going to force the ultra-Orthodox into the army and into uh, the uh, workforce. So, okay. they get exemptions from the mandatory military service. Ah, mm-hmm. And any person whose job it is to study the Torah in Israel gets a stipend from the government. This is not a large wow. stipend. Nobody's doing this to get rich. There are no mm-hmm. for queens. Um, they live in f- f- not object poverty, but poverty. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the public transport system. And they have their own school system. It's a separate school system. But because of that, it means that 
they they get most of their money coming in actually from the child subsidy. So they're incentivized to have more, more children. It's also part of the religious belief. So there's very large families. Mm-hmm. The kids go to schools that don't teach the core subject very well. So their focus oh. is on religious studies, on mm-hmm. Yiddish, not so much on English and math, uh, things that might be useful in the workforce. They don't go to higher... They go to higher education. They go to yeshivas. Yeshivas is where you... Shiva comes from the term, the verb sitting down. Mm-hmm. Sit down and you study the Torah and the Talmud and the other holy books. Wow. Quite intellectual work, but there's a limited market for those kinds of right. stuff. <laughs> so like, I'm not blaming any individual person here other than possibly some of the leaders uh, mm-hmm. 50 years ago. But there is a very large 300, 400,000 strong community now in Israel. Wow. Who is finding it very difficult to enter the modern workforce. Ah, okay, okay. It's incentivized not to. Because mm-hmm. they get most of the benefits of some, the local community. That is not mm-hmm. the thing you do. And um, doesn't serve in the army. So they're not connected to the Israel public in large. Mm-hmm. They live in their own communities. They can't really afford to live otherwise. Like, right. They, they live in, similar to the projects, not exactly uh, with the American equivalent. Okay. Um, and there's always big fights on the local level when they come into a city or into a neighborhood. And, they start uh, putting on signs like women please dress conservatively and try not to make noise and mm. drive around on Saturday. Mm-hmm. They deserve, but they all, there's a very big disconnect because they don't serve in the army. They don't participate in the workforce in large numbers. Uh, that They don't really uh, get along that well with the secular people. So, that so they're really in their own so kind of central parties in Israel, yeah. they represent a secular middle class. Mm-hmm. That's their big enemy which I don't want ah, to vilify them but, right but that's just yeah. how they uh, and of okay. course there's also movement there's interesting things happening everywhere for example another party nothing is going to come out of this most likely but uh, this woman she's ultra orthodox she actually started one the first higher education school for ultra orthodox women um, in Israel she started her own political party now okay and she's running Office, uh, so there are exciting things happening in it. Uh, the, the last two governments have tried to incorporate the Orthodox and the Arab sector in, into the Israeli economy uh, to varying degrees of success. Okay, so it gives us a good snapshot of the whole political spectrum. To kind of close it off here, what do you think is going to be? I mean, Bibi's obviously he's going to he's running in the snap election in fifty-four days, and he has the scandal surrounding him. And you said you think he's going to win. What do you think? is going to be the political state after his win. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to depend a lot on how the centrist party do and who is he going to form the coalition with. Mm. So if it stays like it is right now, so the right wing is fairly large, the center is small and divided mm-hmm. from the left, then things will stay as they are with the government being very right wing very much opposed to any um, settlements on the settlements <laughs> any mm-hmm. any ba- uh, step back there alternatively if the big centrist parties can actually do quite well they might sit Bibi might be forced to sit with them at which point he will still probably get the centrist parties uh, together with the more uh, not the less extreme right wing parties so that would be the new right and mm-hmm. um, but that would probably leave the Osho Orthodox parties out. So ah, okay. for Yeshatid, one of the big centrist parties, to join, their condition is going to be 
you can't have the ultra-orthodox. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh, at which point, there'll be big fights over getting ultra-orthodox into the army. Mm-hmm. But, but again, everything is going to be overshadowed by the criminal investigations. And for that, ah, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be a unique situation. We never had a sitting prime minister decide he's going to stick it out and he's going to fight it every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no precedent. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting times are ahead of us. Yeah. Um, hopefully we can explore that more on a, on a show sometime in the future. 